Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's three guys who combined to play 15 seasons in the National Football League trenches. Well, two guys. And Mackie, who didn't do sh**. He just, he just sits there and looks pretty. This is the O-Line Committee. Dude, we got... Oh, we're out of order here. Let me... Oh, uh, what are we going doing? further until... I don't know. Sometimes hey, that happens. What are we Dude, doing? We got a Huskers victory. We got... Is it the 12-year-olds? We got the 12-year-olds going to the championship game. All right. We got my Minnesota Twins, who won their first playoff game last week in 20 years. Life is good on the O-line committee. It's Life just a hey. W factory right now. You know, I got my Kowalski shirt on today. I got, I got the <laughs> coming later. Hey, the celebratory pie. Where did you get a Kowalski's t-shirt? Don't ask. That's don't Alex's tell, okay? local grocery store, by the way, down the street. Yeah. I'm up there all the time. He's on a first name basis. Hi, Sean Tom. and I were just talking the other day about the Vikings at the meat section. I was like, listen, those steaks look great. And he was like, you know what doesn't look great? I was like, here we go. <laughs> Talk oh, to my me. God. Justin me. Jefferson's hamstring doesn't no, look great. Yeah. What are we going to do about that? Oh, God. Damn it. Terrible. By, well, the way, you... by the way, didn't, didn't both you guys pick? You know what? I'll wait. Go ahead. Oh, wait. Never mind. Wait. Never mind. We're not I'll even at, we pick at the end of the episode. Stay in Dude, line. You're talking trash way too early. Stay in line. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. You're talking no, way no too much trash. We've got to get ready for Horno, okay? I'm getting excited. Yeah. Horno. Can I scout? Can no I scout? Idea. Can I do the special team scout? Do you guys do special teams? Do yes, they kick we scouted the, the game last night. This team is yeah. legit. I mean, they Dude. beat our other Eden Prairie team. They are good. I got a couple fake punt looks I think you should incorporate. Well, you know, the look is right. The punt, nobody can move. Right, like it's got to be fair. And if you were to rush the punter, come on, dude, you're gonna you block rush every a kid punt. punting. Stop it, <laughs> stop it. So what By we the make them do is we make them chop their feet, and then as soon as the ball's kicked, everyone <laughs> runs down there, dude. It's almost the NFL should think about doing this. It is awesome because everyone from a dead start just starts running down there. It is so fun to watch. Oh, you know how many punt returns? You know how many punt returns there would be if you had a dead start and you just oh. let. Tavon Oster or some psycho back there that runs a 4-2 to get a running start. My point exactly. You should think about it, dude. It is awesome. Super heated game. Super fun. Uh, Yeah, championship Saturday. I think people thought we were joking a week or two ago when we said this. I'm going to say it in all seriousness. If you are a listener or a viewer of the O-Line Committee and you have youth football all 22 that you want us to break down on this show, we will break down youth, not high school. I'm talking like... Peewee football, 12-year-old, like, we will break down your kid. I don't know what the legalities are there. There's going to be some dad standing in the end zone. Like, Well, hey, to be fair, we have guys that film stuff just because there's, like, there's a hard time. There's so many kids and there's so much kids, and at times you'll be like, hey, buddy, what happened out there? Coach, I don't know. He dropped and then he came at me, and then all of a sudden 43 came at me and 92 hit me from the side, and you're like... You know what? I can't believe I even asked you that. Never mind. No, I'll just I'll uh, I'll figure it out later. But hey, shout out to half my team, especially Musab, my left tackle, who is phenomenal. He's going to be a top Stop. left tackle. Jeremiah, get ready to sign this kid someday. This kid's twelve. Uh, they, yeah, the kids tell me yesterday they're like, Coach, you think you can talk about us? I was like, Who the hell is watching the show? Like half the hands go up. I was like, No, <laughs> oh, no, 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 absolutely not. not. 
It's not terrible. good. Super if they win proud. the championship, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, they they want to come on, I think. So no, we might have to that's a- no, we can't. No, no I'm not <laughs> tying myself to a show that has 12 year olds and f bombs in it at the same time. Nope, that's okay, not, that's okay, not going no on the profile place. picture. No, nope. <laughs> hey, look at all these 12 year olds. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> not, not that's not how this is going to work. All right, boys, it's time for uh, who's the mic where we identify the biggest things on our mind around football each week. Let's start with Jay. We'll go around the room at least once. Maybe we have time to go around the room twice. But, uh, Jay, who's the mic for you this week? The mic for me this week is every team that's 1-4 and and the poor, sad team that's 0-5. We have reached a critical point where you have to now start deciding, is it time to blow it all up? Is it time to start making trades? Is it time to start figuring out and building for the future? Or are you going to be those dumb idiots that sit there and go, well, we could go on a run. We could still make the playoffs. There's still this tiny path in which we can just wiggle here, and if this guy dies and we found a way to beat this team and like the stars align and the moon shines bright through the crevice, we could make the playoffs. Don't do it. Don't put yourself in sports purgatory hell. Right? Just understand where you're at. And if you're a team that's got a bunch of talent and guys that are getting paid a bunch of money, ship them off. Send them away. Figure it out. If you're in a rebuild, understand where you are and now start shaping the narrative of, hey, we're in a rebuild. It's okay. We knew this was going to happen. Unlike Frank Reich with the Carolina Panthers, it's like, you know, some ownership is more involved than than some not. They basically come out saying, like, I didn't want Bryce Love, Bryce Young. I I like C.J. Stroud, but, you know. These ownership, like that stuff's the stuff that's going to start causing these low-level teams to just start blowing up, like the the fractioning of the team. Or do you just buy into the like, yeah, we suck, we're terrible. They're going to try and rebuild and start building for 2024. So all those teams, you know, Arizona, Vikings, Carolina, um, who else? The Bears. I'm looking at this. Broncos. Broncos. Giants. Like, there's enough teams that are down there that have really good talent. That they have to make a decision like, do we hold on to this or do we start building for next year and kind of figure it out? Because the worst thing you can do, I mean, do you guys watch Bustin' with the Boys or do you guys follow yeah. Yeah. follow Portnoy? He made a great point about the Patriots. He's like, he's like, listen, we were at the pinnacle, we were at the top. He's like, I'd rather be dead last and be the worst team so that we can rebuild than be in the middle of the pack. And all these teams that are one and four and hold on to this hope and this dream that we're going to somehow make it end up going eight and seven like eight and nine or whatever and just be in the middle of the pack then you're picking mid first round mid second round like you're not getting the high-end players so i think it's a critical point for a lot of these teams to make a decision about their future how quickly we go from uh like locker room jeremiah serials and nfl right. player in the trenches jeremiah serials to like thirty thousand foot front office jay here whoa this is Lucy, like slick yeah. back executive jay who's speaking hey. on the podcast right now let's be fair though because uh mac you and i just talked about this yesterday on purple daily was while you may call it a rebuild, it's still not being talked about in the rooms. Like, we're not in there like, guys, yeah. <laughs> you can give up. You don't have to get the blocks, right? Yeah. Like, the front office is basically like, yeah, we're going to live in we're, – we're okay with them losing these games as long as they're taking steps forward, as long as they're getting better, as long as we see growth within the rooms. We're okay with this. Like, we expected this. It's almost like if you draft an, a rookie quarterback and he starts and you don't expect that, you're an idiot. 
do you really <laughs> think that these kids are going to jump from college to the pros? You realize you're going against the masters of the masters, and they run so fast, and they can cut so fast, and they can think, and they're so dynamic. And you think that these kids are just going to come up and be able to throw it in these tiny little windows that they didn't even have to throw through in college. Like in college, everything's just so big and spread out. You're like, this is not even real anymore. But at the same time, my mic was going to be the Jets. Hold on. Why? Hold on. Hold on, dude. What? Hold on. Hold on, because I you, you Phil gets a rebuttal here to my mic. You've got okay. you've got okay. no, but because Boone, you brought up our conversation, and the jet the Jets actually tie into something I'm going to say here about this about the ta- like the tanking. We've banned the word tanking on Purple you, Daily. He doesn't. It's about say it. optimistically looking toward the future health of your roster. That's the way I would yeah, frame it. 100%. Not tanking, right? Which is fair. But here's my question. Let's use the Vikings as an example because the Vikings okay. are probably the most obvious team where, like, you could do horn. mental hit gymnastics. If you say Vikings, yeah. you have to hit it. No, okay. that's a rule from now on. If you bring up the Vikings as a homer team here, you have to hit the Galar horn. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair enough. But, like, if you're the Vikings, it's the, it's the most obvious case of, well, if you do some mental gymnastics and, you know, look at the schedule coming up and this and that. Now, Jefferson's hamstring injury helps make the path more clear. But let's say over the next three weeks, trade deadline coming up on Halloween, the Vikings decide Daniil Hunter's a free agent at the end of the season. Boy, the Jaguars wanted him a few months ago in the offseason. The Jaguars might be one piece away from really taking the next step. Go get a second-round pick for Daniil or whatever. And maybe we could even tell Kirk, hey, man, we're not going to resign you. Is there some way you'd want to go play for the Jets or the Falcons or whatever it is? How do you then turn around? And maybe, I mean, you guys speak from like a player perspective here. I'm about to. How do you go in the locker room? I'm Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings general manager. I just traded Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter, and I have to go talk to Kevin O'Connell and 53 guys in the locker room and coaches and say, all right, so uh, we got two and a half months left in the season here. We just shipped out a Pro Bowl quarterback and one of the best defensive ends in franchise history, but we're still totally trying to win games. Yeah. How does that go over? Deal with it. That's exactly what they say. Hey, you guys aren't stupid. You read the news. You know what's going on. We got rid of a player. Deal with it. We're going to see who's ready to step up. There was a situation kind of like that. We didn't have a guy get traded, but we had a guy get hurt. And the team was basically like, we want to see what the future looks like. We could play this guy, but we're going to start this guy instead. Deal with it. Figure it out. Help him see the path. If anything, we're going to rely a lot more on you guys to help Mm. him get through this. And you're like... That's why I keep saying you can say whatever you want. Was that the Sean Hill, the Sean Hill situation? Like, I'm not going to say where it was, but I'm just going to say that there was times where the upstairs will come down and blatantly to your face be like, "Yeah, we're not stupid. We know the situation. We're looking at the future now, and now it's on you to make this right for us." And it's one of those things where you're like, "Okay, fine. We're going to go out and continue to fight. We might not win the game." We might not be as upset that we didn't win the game. But at the end of the day, we're going to go out and fight as hard as we can to win the game. Like, we're not out there to miss blocks. We're not out there to get the quarterback hurt. That's not our job. And at the same time, when you are in a rebuild and they're like, hey, don't you guys kind of want to see what next year could look like with this guy? And we were like, yeah, it'd be fun. Let's, and- let's do it. Like, we weren't, we weren't against it, but at the same time, we were like, but there's another guy here who could possibly, because at the time, we were still in the running for the playoffs. And we were like, this is a bold, risky move, and it kind of—I'm not going to say that it dropped us out, but you know, the team played. We didn't play well, and so we didn't end up making the playoffs. But it's—it's it's one of those things where you're like, "Hey, this is the situation. I'm a pro. This is my job—is to come in here and do my goddamn job. And if I don't, it's going to cost somebody their job. So it's—you're going out and fighting, and you know the situation, and maybe you lose, and you're like, "Hey, we went out and we fought hard. We did everything we could. We game planned well. We just didn't win the game. We're going to fight. We're going to continue to fight." 
It also comes back to any player that's sitting in that locker room and a guy comes in and is like, yeah, we shipped it, and then they're all like, oh, it's like, listen, is our goal every year to make the playoffs or to win a world championship? Like, is our goal to sit here and be like, hey, we could scratch out a, a nine-win season, a 10-win season, and backdoor our way into the wild card? Or are we looking to go, hey, we're going to win 13 games and go win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? And everyone's going to get on board with that. And no player is going to sit in that room and go, man, yeah, we, we should have done this. Like, the whole goal is to win a Super Bowl. And so if you come into it with that perspective, there's not a player that's not going to get on board. Now, I think it more goes to the coaches, Right, if the GM and the front office make these decisions, the coaches are the one that are sitting there going, "Shit, dude, I don't want a six-win, I don't want a six-win record on my resume." Right, it's why you hear KOC and those guys like, "I believe in this team." Do you hear me? Do you hear me up there, Wills? I believe in this team. Right, like, and that's what a lot of these coaches are doing because at the end of the day, the NFL is a CYA league. You cover your own ass. Like everyone's out to save themselves. Right, but if you're a young player. And you have the guys come and say, hey, we just got rid of this player, that player. It's a great opportunity for you, right? And it's not all bad. Yeah, team-wise, you might be like, hey, this is my opportunity to go out and show what I can do and help maybe say, hey, I know we got a second-round pick for an edge rusher, but I'm going to show them they don't need to use that second-round pick on an edge rusher because I'm the guy, right? There's great opportunities that come into these things, too, from a professional standpoint on an individual level. But you got to understand the ultimate goal is never just to make the playoffs. The ultimate goal is to win a Super a Super Bowl title. That's the end of the – everyone's – that's their goal, and they step in that first meeting of OTAs. So if we have to make some changes to get ourselves to that level, most players will get on board with that. Yeah. Just, we're just replacing the word tank with opportunity. It's opportunity. not tanking. It's, it's an opportunity. Uh, Booney, who's the mic? Who's the mic for you this week? I told you. The Jets. Nathaniel Hackett. Did you see them going crazy on the sideline? Like he had face paint all over him. They were making a huge scene about it. And then did you hear what Robert Sala said to him? Stay humble. (laughs) (laughs) What an amazing quote to shake hands and be like, stay humble. And then just totally walked away. I was like, God, this is one of the greatest things about the NFL is that you can actually just go out there and talk shit to each other and nobody can do anything about it. Like, it's so fun. It is. Did you hear after the game too? So Sean Payton gets up at the podium and uh, and your guy, former Vikings beat writer, the I'll best. hit the horn here, crushing uh, him, crushing Cr- him. Chris Thomason. After he was the one that asked the question that yeah. you know, what's the question a couple weeks ago? And Thomason <laughs> I, I'm gets just up telling there. You. I'm just like, telling you. You know, I, I just uh, yeah, just going back to the things you said before the season. <laughs> you know, does do you feel any remorse or regret? The affair. <laughs> and Sean Payton's like, I'm going to murder someone. <laughs> Thomas is going to go missing. Like he's literally, he's he's going to go all of a sudden. They're going to be like, we're. Where'd Chris, where's the Mickey Mouse shirt and the New Balance guy? Where's where's that I'm just, guy? I'm out? just reading through the quote again. You said it was the worst coaching job in the history of the National Football League. Right. You just lost to their backup quarterback. Do you have any more thoughts? Hey, I'm telling you, we dealt with that every Tuesday. It was like, God, there he is, and he would just in your face. So just random question, and just throw it right in your right in your face, like, hey. Answer this. Stupid. Do you feel like you're a bad father because you're never home during the week during the season? <laughs> Dude, oh it's it's comical, but like at the same time, I respect it because he's just like wherever he goes, he is yeah. who he is. Like, he is. Yeah. I, I mean, him. granted, he's in my phone as Chris Thomason. Do not answer, yeah. but I mean that's fine. <laughs> we need to get him on the show now. Just come no, on. I, let let, let no. us ask you invasive questions, no. Chris. Flip it around. <laughs> But are you like the Jets are a great example of it? It feels to me like an outsider. There are some teams that might unravel, you know, after the Rodgers injury. Robert Sala seems to have those guys together. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but it feels like they haven't lost sight of, okay, we can still do some stuff here. 
Yeah, and I yeah. think if anything, they're one of the teams that's like, hey, we know how to come out and fight every week. We know how to come out and give our best performance. And at the same time, we know we don't have our starting quarterback because if we did, we'd be peeing the piss out of all of you. So, yeah. I love that they got Brees Hall more involved too. Yes. I mean, that's a guy that's been begging for the ball, and you want a guy that's – if he's going to beg for the ball, you better show out and shut up. And he did it. I mean, 177 yards rushing last week. He had a couple of the big runs. He's a big factor in the passing game, too, on first and second down. You know, getting him more involved in this offense and finding ways to get your ball, the ball into Garrett Wilson's hands and just your playmakers and take some pressure off of Wilson is going to be huge for them down the stretch. Yeah. yeah. All right, my mic. Who's my mic this week? It's Mike Shanahan for his wonderful, wonderful reproductive organs spawning the glorious NFL coach that is Kyle Shanahan. Dude, the San Francisco 49ers, I, I looked this up right before the show. Since the beginning of last season, I know stats are stupid, but 12 wins of three touchdown margin or more since the beginning of last season. Four of them in the first five weeks so far this year. Unstoppable force. And yeah. Dallas came in, right? All right, we, we learned our lesson last year. You know, Dak Prescott said, you're not going to see me throw a bunch of interceptions this time around. And then you fast forward to the end of the game, and he's literally calling it the most humbling experience of his professional and football life. Brock Purdy, on the other hand, he leads the NFL in QBR and passer rating, and the Niners are now 10-0 and in the regular season when Brock Purdy starts. Dude. Who's beating this team? Well, that was going to be my second mic was Brock yeah. Purdy. You know, because I'm sick and tired of the broadcast teams every time you do a San Fran game, like belittling him, yeah. right? Like if this was Patrick Mahomes running the Kansas City off or the San Francisco offense right now, it would be a hands down, no doubt about it. This dude's an MVP caliber. This is the MVP of the league. Look at what he's doing. But everyone keeps going back to like, well, anyone could do this. This is anyone. Look at this guy. Anyone could play this offense. Anyone could do this. Anyone could do that. It's yeah, like, we've well, we've far. been through this song and dance. Trey Lance couldn't do it. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do it. Sam Darnold, like, had the opportunity in training camp. He couldn't do it. Like, we need to stop belittling the fact that Mr. Irrelevant was a seventh-round pick and he's only making $890,000 this year. And this, and act like this dude's a stopgap. This dude is performing at an all-pro MVP caliber level, regardless if he's throwing to the best receivers, handing it off to the best running back. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do, and I'm sick and tired of hearing every single major broadcast that puts him on or every single talking head is not giving Brock Purdy the respect that he deserves. He deserves to be in the caliber and be in the mention for MVP because no one in the National Football League, and hear me when I say this, no other quarterback, in my opinion, is playing at the level of which Brock Purdy is playing at right now. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. And I... Well, we joke, and I think the problem is we joke too much about how that job is so easy because you just dangle the ball out there and just throw it to someone simple, but it's not easy. I saw him throw up – there was a play action, and he threw it like 25 yards down the middle of the field, and it was a dart to Debo as everyone's running these clearouts. And then all of a sudden, it's a lot of everything. They're just playing incredible. But I agree with you. I'm sick of hearing it too. Like at some point, I think everyone's trying to say this just for when he falls, they're like, oh, there it is. And it's like, dude, at some point you have to give this kid his due and be like, this kid's incredible. He goes out there and commands one of the toughest offenses, the shifts, the motions. You have to know all your reads. You have to know everything. And, yeah, at times it might be as simple as George Kittle. But throwing that ball and standing back there like he is is super hard. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job of it. And I think a lot of it comes from that defense too, though, dude. Like when you can rely on that defense. And, Jay, 
you know how it is when you have a dominant defense. You're almost like, guys, let's just go out here and do whatever the hell we want to do. Let's just go out and draw it up in the sand. Let's have some fun. And you get guys like Kittle and Debo out there going crazy, dude. It's got to be that huddle. I would do anything to be a guard in that huddle. Could you imagine the fun they have out there just laughing at people? Like, <laughs> I think these idiots are going to stop this. I don't think so. Hey, yeah, we're talking about you, stupid. <laughs> Love it. But you guys, like, you, you kind of nailed it with we we go too far with narratives in football in 2024. It's it's on one hand, Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive coach, a brilliant head coach, and a brilliant schemer. But then another thing can be true. Brock Purdy is super talented and a really good leader and a pretty dynamic quarterback considering he was a seventh-round pick. It's always got to be, well, because Kyle Shanahan is brilliant, right. we have to discredit any quarterback that comes in and, and plays in that system, right? It, it right. can be both. Bill Belichick was brilliant for 20 years, 30 years. And Tom Brady was brilliant, and then you put those guys together, and boom, you win championships. And that kind of looks like what but might be happening with even the 49ers. Look, like, right look now. at Matt LaFleur. Everyone was like, oh, this dude got the Packers back. He's everything. Look how genius he's done. And then you input, take out your Hall of Fame quarterback, put in Jordan Love, and it's like, oh, it's not the same. Mm. right? You can be a great schemer, but you have to have the dudes that can go out and execute what you scheme. And I don't care what you say. I don't think anyone else is going to be able to do what Brock Purdy's doing. His anticipation of throwing guys open is fantastic. If you watch the All-22, he's throwing it before guys are out of breaks. He's anticipating windows. Like, he's looking dudes off. Like, he is playing elite football right now. And I just hate the the not the credit he's not getting. Yeah, amen, dude. Amen. There it is. Who's the mic? It's the segment that's taking the football podcast world by storm here the last two weeks. Let's uh, let's rearrange segments here. Let's make our picks right now, and then we'll get to some dumb football questions from the audience. All right? Let's do it. I'm not ready for it. this. God. Okay. You should be ready, dude. Let's start with ready. the standings from last week because you, Alex Boone, went 3-1 and one last week. Right. A nice week for you to get to 13-7 uh, and seven on the season. I went three and one last week. I'm at fourteen and six on the season. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yes, and uh, the casual Jeremiah went two and two last week. He's ten and ten on the season so far. So fourteen and six, thirteen and seven for Booney, and ten and ten for our guy Jeremiah. Which game did Holding I guess wrong? Which one did I screw up? You uh, I, see, I I, uh, I cleaned the slate here. Yeah. Uh, you picked the yeah, the Texans over the Falcons. So. That's where we're at here, and uh, and we pick four games each week that are of interest straight up because Jeremiah spreads are spreads are for, are for losers. Yeah, Damn right, they are. We pick winners, straight up winners or losers on the show here. So I got four games for you guys. We'll start with Seahawks at Bengals. I I want I'm going to take the Bengals in this. I'm going to take the Bengals. I think they found something last week. They got back on track. I'm actually going to be at this game. I'm going to this game this weekend to watch mm. Cordell play. So super excited. But you know they found a way to get Jamar Chase the ball. I think with T Higgins being out, Burrow's just looking at Jamar Chase, right? And I think this week you'll see Tyler Boyd probably pick up a little bit more. And they got the running game going a little bit with Joe Mixon. I like the Bengals at home. Joe Burrow looks a little bit more mobile. Looks like he's getting back to himself, being able to create, move. He had the 360 no-scope pass this week. you know. So I like the Bengals. I think they're going to get themselves back on track. I agree. I think the Bengals at home, I think Joe looked a lot better. Moving around the pocket, running around, looked a lot more like himself. I like the Bengals. 
All right, I'm torn between forces here. Force number one, do I want to just pick the same team as you guys? Force number two, I think the Bengals at the end of the season are going to be right in the mix as a contender, and and this is kind of the beginning of them getting there starting last week. But force number three is I feel like people don't give the Seahawks nearly enough credit going back to the beginning of last year because Geno Smith's their quarterback. They don't have a ton of household names on defense anymore. They're just kind of this team that people don't know what to do with. Oh, they overachieved last year. They've been so much better since that trade than the Broncos and Russell Wilson. And <laughs> by almost any measurement, they're one of the top 10 teams in the NFL dating back to um, like the, the first quarter of last season. I think the Seahawks go on the road and pull a little upset here against the mm. Bengals. The Seahawks are a team that everybody sleeps on. I've got the upset Seahawks over Bengals. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Okay. We'll, see Mac. we'll see. Let's go Cowboys coming off an absolute ass beating against the Probably. Chargers in Los Angeles. I know, right? I, uh, All right. Dude. I'll go. <laughs> go, Boone. You go first. I'm going to go with the Chargers on this one. Wow. I think I think the Cowboys last week getting it handed to them, it's going to be tough to come back from. And I just think that's one of those things where – and I think that Micah Parsons – talking all that shit afterwards like oh no you made it personal and Debo was like wait a minute I thought it already was personal weren't weren't we playing for reals out there yeah like, we, just, it was personal to us that's why we beat was it 42 to 10 you? I'm confused wait what <laughs> I just it's one of those things where I'm not sure the Cowboys really are going to be trusting that much in their offense anymore either it's one of those things where dude Mike McCarthy is I think when you go down there we were all expecting different results and Dak Prescott different results and we're just not getting them and I just I don't see it coming back this week. I'm sorry. I think the Chargers and Khalil Mack coming off, what is that, last week or six, two weeks? Two weeks ago. They had the bye, they had the bye week. Chargers had the bye Dude, week this week. Coming off six sacks. I mean, come on, man. They, they're going to be lit up, torched up, ready to roll. They're going to be putting pressure on Dak. I, I like the Chargers. See, I, I want to pick the Chargers too, but, you know, the Chargers find a way to charger. Right, they they just they just do like so do the Cowboys. I mean, but I think the Cowboys from a roster perspective is better than the Chargers, you know. And I think that a humbling experience like that, coming off understanding that this is kind of a must win, and you know that offensive line, in my opinion, that offensive line wasn't the true reason why the Giants or the Cowboys lost that game. You know, Dak had time to throw at times if they weren't pressuring him. And you talk about one of the better offensive lines. I like the Cowboys to come into this game. I think the Cowboys win this game um, on the backs of their defense. Herbert has the broken thumb, right? He's still messing with that thumb on his non-throwing. Austin Eckler might be back, but, I mean, Mike Williams has an ACL. He's out for the year. It's going to be a really good football game, but at the end of the day, Staley just is not a great coach at the end of the games. I think I got to give the nod to the Cowboys here. You don't love going for fourth down every time, dude? You're not on your own that? 30? On your own hey, 30 when you're hey. only down by a touchdown? Sure. Never punt. No Never punt. How do you know upstairs they're not like, yeah, bro, rebuild. We want to see more plays on offense. <laughs> more plays on offense. Just keep going. Because you just we'll paid totally, your quarterback $250 million. Hey, we're paying him to be out there. Get his ass out there. Play him on defense. Uh, this is such a tough one. I... I think I side with Jeremiah on this one. And and one it. of my one of my reasons is the Cowboys under Mike McCarthy, they've only lost back-to-back games one time in the three years of him being a head coach. So they do generally tend to bounce back after bad losses. And this is th- this is one of those losses where it, it probably wakes you up a little bit at practice. You probably come to practice on Wednesday and you're embarrassed and the Chargers are a great opponent to maybe take that out on. It's not the best home field advantage either in that stadium for the Chargers, mm-hmm. so 
I got the Cowboys um, getting it. right, at least for one more week. And now we go to the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels showdown in Las Vegas. Oh, boy. want to call it a showdown. The Patriots at the Raiders. You go first, Maggie. Your turn. Um, I don't have a co- I don't have a coin to flip here. Otherwise, right, here. you want me to go? No, Maggie goes first. No, I'll go we first. Rotate. I'll go first. We rotate. I'll go first. Okay. All right. I think the Raiders win this game because I think the Patriots are so bleeped on every level. I mean, Bill Belichick literally talking about starting over multiple times in that post game press conference after just another embarrassing loss. Maybe the two most embarrassing losses of his entire head coaching career in back-to-back weeks. The Raiders are probably one of the opponents you would choose to to get right against, but I just don't think the Patriots are good enough. I don't think they don't have any talent on offense, at least on the edges with wide receivers and tight ends. And Mac Jones is just a guy. So, give me the Raiders. I'm with you. I'm with the Raiders too. I think Max Crosby has another big day. Just going to you know, say that. He is playing unreal football right now i mean he is as much of a game wrecker as aaron donald micah parsons like you can put him up there with those dudes right now he's playing great great football for them and you look on offensively what new england is is you can't win if you can't score i mean you you, you just can't in this league and as much as the the uh, raiders are having issues scoring i mean they have so many more weapons between jacobs and you know um froster morrow started coming to his own a little bit as a tight end last week and you've got Devonte adams on the outside they have too many weapons they're going to score at least 17 in my opinion and i don't know if the patriots are capable of scoring that many points right now with what they have and even that source that came out next to Mac Jones was like, even how good of a cook you are, you can't make trash taste good. Like there's some division going on in that locker room right now. And it's a mess. I mean, and when you have that many distractions going on, it's hard to win in this football league, regardless if you're Bill Belichick or not. So give me the Raiders. Hey, I'm I'm sure this the answer to this is very low, but I'm, has Bill Belichick ever lost three games in a row? Boy, see, this is what I was thinking about too. And why I almost went Patriots. I know. I agree. There was a time. This is going to be the first time ever, for sure. You know, for 15-plus, 20 years, if the Patriots got their asses kicked and we were doing this segment, you would never fade the Patriots the next week, right? never. You would take them the next week. This is a crazy pick, but all three of us are going to say that Bill Belichick's going to get his third loss in a row. And, dude, for years, Mm -hmm. if you would have – they lost next week, you were like, Tom's definitely bringing them back. (laughs) Yeah. I will bet my house on it that they are going to win this game. But now you're like – this is the first time ever, three in a row, dude. It's going to be yes. insane to watch. But, yeah, I could it come against a better opponent? I mean, technically, your protege, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Garoppolo, too. Like, there's a whole lot of uh, Belichick. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, of, there's, going, there's on a lot going on here. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's two bad football teams. Pretty much. Like, I mean, that's what it is. At the end of the day. At least we're in Vegas. And ah. anything yeah, anything can happen when two bad football teams meet. It's pretty much whoever wants to lose the game worse is going to lose the game. Right? Like, I think we'll see multiple turnovers in this game. Like, you might see something crazy like a punt return or a kick blocked or something stupid Fake like punt that. punt goes for a touchdown. Yeah, like, that, that's the sure. kind of stuff that happens in these terrible games. Yes. Speaking of two bad football teams, uh, this is probably the last time oh. that I can give you guys the Vikings in our pick segment because they are no longer relevant. So we're going to go <laughs> Vikings on the way down the hill. Bears may make look a little bit better lately. God. Vikings at Bears. No Justin Jefferson for okay. the Vikings. So I'm going to go with the Bears, and here's why. Number one, it's at the Bears, right? Yes. 
Vikings never play <laughs> never well play well in Soldier. I know. From I think they've won a couple in a row. Yeah, yeah. I know for Why? half a game because the other half was completely blacked out. <laughs> I know from being told we just don't play well in Soldier Field. Oh, and by the way, Dick Buckus are going to be talking about him all day. Everyone's going to be super going crazy. I'm sorry. I have to go with the Bears. I'm going Bears too. You know, DJ Moore had his coming out party last week as being a, a, a rocket ship on the edge there. Justin Fields is finding him. He's looking a little better. But, like, no Jefferson in this offense. Oof. We've never seen it. We've never seen it since Jefferson has stepped foot in that building. Mm-hmm. We have never seen what this offense looks like without Justin Jefferson. And from what I've seen from K.J. Osborne, from T.J. Hawkinson, I don't think anyone, even Addison is a young player. He's going to be great. But I don't think anyone's ready to step in and fill that role. And forever and always, if you were playing against the Vikings, you always had this tiny bit of scare if you blitzed Kirk Cousins that 18 could blow the top off of your defense. Right. We're not going to see that. We're not going to see it. I think defenses are going to be able to bracket coverage certain guys. They're going to be able to pick their poison on tendencies versus the downs. I just don't see the Vikings being super successful on offense in this game. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm picking the Vikings. Of course. Oh my God! Here's a guy. Here's a guy. (laughs) But here's my here's my thought. All right, their season's cooked, and everything that Jeremiah said off the top of the show. I think this this would be a great time starting in the next couple weeks. Go get some draft capital. Go find your quarterback of the future in the draft next year, and get that process started. I think there's a rallying effect in the first week post Justin Jefferson. I, I think there's still some life in the building. I think I don't think Kevin O'Connell has lost the team. So I think this is like the Undertaker sits up one last time. They beat the Bears in some sloppy game. They probably run. They, I, my guess is Cam Akers gets a bunch of carries because Madison dropped a pass last week. And, th- and then they're feeling pretty good. All right, we got our second win of the season. Then reality hits because Over. then it's the Niners. Then it's a short week after playing the Niners against the Packers at Lambeau. Then another road game, Falcons. So I, I think they win this game and then go on a losing streak that leads to them selling off pieces at the trade deadline on Halloween. So call me a homer, if you will. Homer. Soldier Field's tough to play in. Why is. is that stadium it's so much know. different? It's just it's a weird place to play. The grass is always ankle high. Like, it's just it's just strange. It's like, I don't know. The Vikings don't fare well there. I mean, we, but we barely won both years that I played there in 16 and 17. It does feel like you're trudging through a jungle. Like you got your like your waiting dude, boots on. You like there goes Peterson. Like <laughs> it's like Stanford, dude. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So there's the picks. Four games of note. We'll see if Jeremiah can uh, mount a comeback here. Alex in second place and uh, the master of football I, I knowledge, Phil Mackey. I can't at the let top. you win this. I can't. Yeah. We'll see. You and I are differing on quite a few of these. I think you well, we only I, match on one of these this week. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens. This is one of us is going on a swing. Yeah, let's go. All right, it's time for some dumb football questions, boys. Where Ooh. the audience submits this is a safe space for the audience to submit whatever dumb football questions you have on your mind, and two former NFL players answer those questions. By the way, if you haven't already, uh, you can help us. We're almost to ten thousand YouTube subscribers. So a so thank close. you. That's awesome. Yes. Click that subscribe button and the like button. And then on the audio side, we just had a record number of people listen to the last episode for us. Apple and Spotify, where we post the full version of the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review so we can keep growing this offensive line lifestyle community. 
We appreciate led by all these of you. guys. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a blast here. I don't think we, you know, we didn't really have like numbers expectations, but ten thousand in the first like month of the football season, it's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, our goal is to have five thousand by the start of the season, right? Like we were like, mm-hmm. eh, maybe we can reach ten by the end of the year. Who knows? I yeah. don't know. No one 50. knows. Fifty. Let's get to fifty. Yeah. Come on, Let's you guys. Fifty. Let's do it to the moon, boys. To Let's the go. moon. All right, some dumb football questions here. You know what? I'm going to start. I, w- I was going to bury this one a little bit, but you guys brought this up before we cracked the microphone, so I'm just going to ask this one here. Uh, this dumb football question comes from that guy on Twitter. That guy. How do you deal with bowel movements during games? With all the running and hitting, you'd think there would be some embarrassing moments in football. Hmm? Go ahead, Jay. Well, first of all, you always got to take the pregame number two. Like that, that is a sacred ritual time. Like you take, I mean, and the worst thing is if you're like, you're trying to build it up pregame because you're like, you're just, I want to get it all out. So you're holding it. But like, if you get dressed first and then you have to take the number two, nightmare situation nightmare situation are you talking at the stadium oh yeah i'm talking like your pads on like if you you have pads i'm talking like yeah your pregame poop needs to be before the 90 minute clock starts how many stalls are in a like a road locker room or a a home locker room so well it depends because some of them have like one one some of them have six so purdue purdue i'll never forget this purdue's away locker room for college had two stalls no doors and they faced each other (laughs) (laughs) i swear to god i swear to god i swear to god no curtains nothing Nothing. you're you're eye to eye with your buddy buddy. (laughs) right like i mean it is is, i promise you i promise you there is no you face each other right so like yeah that's what we call a true boilermaker right there that's 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 100 but like yeah, so you got to get that thing out before the ninety-minute clock. Because when you start, when you start going, and you get padded up, and you've got lobster claws for hands, right. like you got these all taped wiping, up, wiping, oh, wiping, hey, an adventure, man. And you got full braces it. on, so you like you're not real mobile. Like oh. it, it's you an adventure, and you can't ready? ask one of the equipment guys to help you no, out, probably. No, right? uh, no, no you're uh, not taking your pads off once yeah. they come out. I can't once be like my four-year-old and be like, "Done pooping, done pooping." Like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So yeah, you got to get no. that done. But I do have a funny story. I played with a receiver uh, in Nebraska. No names. No names. No names. Okay. It's up to you. It's up yeah. To no, he's told the story on live before, so I oh, won't okay. say it. But we had a receiver. We were playing Michigan in 2012, I think. And he had the flu the night before, so he was already kind of messed up. He runs this deep post route, catches it down on like the five-yard line. Stadium's packed, night game, national TV. And he takes a smack from the safety and lays there. And I come sprinting down the field to help him up. Like, dude, great job, great catch. He goes, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. I was like, what's wrong? He goes, get the staff, get the train staff. And so, like, I'm waving, like, oh, dude, he's hurt. He comes waving over, and, like, they end up having to, like, pick him up and, like, carry him off. And he goes running back into the, like, into the locker room. We're like, man, Kenny's hurt. Oh, said his name. And then uh, he, comes, <laughs> he comes running back out. He comes running back out, like, ten minutes later. And we're like, you all right? You all right? He goes, ah poop my pants we're like what he goes dude that safety hit me and it just out the back and he said like when the trainers got out there and they're like what's wrong they go i need you to roll me over and tell me if there's anything coming down my leg or not and if there is you have to get the cart and lucky enough there was nothing like he had tights on so like there was nothing going through and so like he ended up going through but yeah it happened you guys had the whites the nebraska oh yeah we had the white pants on luckily luckily nothing bled through but yeah old boy pooped himself on the five yard line during a game national tv come on kenny old kb baby 
guy. Dude, the worst is, did you ever feel like you always had to take a piss? Like no matter what, you always yeah. have to pee. Like the minute you're on the sideline, well, before you're before salts. they had the tents, before they had like the because now you just pop yourself into that tent and they, they actually oh, have these easy. things. They actually have these things now that you like. It's a bag that you pee into and it's like filled yep. with the stuff that's in diapers. Right, so it just expands, and you just throw it in the trash. But before then, like you had to find the old box equipment thing that opened up that had all the helmets in it, and you'd act like you were like tying your shoe or something. You'd just be pissing in a Gatorade bottle, like right there on the sideline. Oh no. my yeah, god! You don't have time to be like, "Hey, I'll be right back. I'm gonna run." Like, into guys, the locker turn around. Room. Yeah, Everybody, turn around. Yeah, turn around, I'll, I'll turn be right back because like you need a quick change or something like that. Like you can't be like, "Hey, where's Boone? Oh, I think he's taking a piss." Oh, right? Like, no, yeah. yeah, no, you just right there on the sideline. You take a knee, pretend you're tying your shoe or something, and just pee right in a bottle. I feel like, like, and I don't know, it's like. If I ever get nervous, just not even as a football player, my bladder starts to churn. And there's got to be you're hyped up, you're maybe a little nervous, All excited, and you're yeah. it All probably churns faster, right? Every time I would go before this, like the kickoff coming to us or like a punt, I would oh, I gotta pee so bad. I gotta pee so bad. The minute you run out on the field, you're like pee. I don't have to fucking pee. What? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Who was Boone? Was it was it with someone with us that used to piss themselves during training camp? I can't remember if that was with you or not. I had a buddy. He was a former teammate. Like it used to be in the dog days of camp, and he would just pee himself. And we'd be like, "Are you pissing right now?" And he'd be like, oh, "I'm soaked, anyways. Who cares?" Like what? in the middle of practice, hey, he would just I pee himself. I think I know who you're talking about. Did he yeah. also do something for money? Yeah. 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 Okay. It was us. It was someone on. I know exactly who you're. He would just pee himself in the middle of training camp practice. And I remember was he was he a center or no? Because if I'm a quarterback, I'm going to want to know what what's wet down there. A little sweat I can deal with. No. Yeah. That was the Mark Schlereth thing. What was it? Mark Schlereth like during a game would just "Ah, just to scare the defense. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm taking a piss (laughs) right now. Yeah. If somebody would start taking a piss across from me, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck's wrong? I mean, I'm throwing up mid-drive and like mid-practice, like on in a three-point stance. You're just like, and then you just go like, but I've never pissed myself in the middle of a game. Never. (laughs) All right. Question number two from AAGAA in the YouTube comment section. Are trap games a real thing? Yes, absolutely. They are. They are. And it's almost like the coaches see it coming. We've talked about this before. Sometimes when you're in the moment, you can't see it. You're like, no, we're good. We're good. And the coaches are like, but I just see that we're lacking in these key areas, like ball security, or we're not taking this seriously. We're not watching enough blitz tape. We're not doing it. And the minute you get out in the game, you're like, fuck, they were right. (laughs) Son of a bitch. And then you're quickly trying to regroup everybody. Like, hey, we got to, hey, we got to refocus. Okay. Everybody was, and it's too late. I mean, sometimes, and a lot of them happen after, like Jay says, big emotional wins you feel like you've conquered the world you're like we did it like the jaguars this week beating the bills we did it we beat this team that went out there and beat miami the week before like it's all these and then all of a sudden it's like you come back and you we're good we're gonna be fine look what we just did to the a great team and then all of a sudden you're playing some lesser team who's got it in their minds that they need to come out and punch you in the mouth like jay said because their coaches believe that the 0.01 percent chance of them getting in is worth it so they're you fall into this all the time. And a lot of times it's towards the middle of the season, not so much at the end of the year because that's when coaches just grab you by the face mask and they're like, hey, I'm not fucking around anymore, okay? Get your shit together and we'll bench your ass. You're like, got it, Roger. Not messing around anymore, right? Like, They know how to do that. But in the middle of the season when you beat these big teams and you're like, we're, we're crushing, nobody can stop us. And then all of a sudden you show up and you know, Houston just punches you right in the mouth and you're like, what the hell just happened to us? And these guys that you maybe took a little lightly or he's a young player, he's not going to do anything against us. Look what I just did against Aaron Donald. You know, it's you fall into this rhythm of I'm too good for this. And then all of a sudden somebody humbles you quickly. 
Yeah, and the NFL's too good from top to bottom, from the worst team to the best team. Anyone can beat anyone on any given Sunday. Right. right? Like, and so if you are the more talented team, but you come out there and you're just slightly flat and that other team gets some life and momentum, they're not they're not so bad that they're not going to be able to lose. Now, the Colts last year against the Vikings was one of those like epic collapses by a team, but that happens a lot in the NFL. I mean, the Bills have fallen victim to it twice now this year. You know, one with the Jets and then again with um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Like, I think everyone anticipated after that Jets game, like, Bills are back, right? They go on a roll, they beat Miami, and then they go out there and you just look flat even a little bit and you let uh, these teams hang around. Every team in the NFL has enough talent to beat you at the end of the game. And those trap games are really hard to get yourself ramped up mid-game to try and get yourself where you need to be, where you should have been all week. It's impossible to get there during on game day. Yeah. Uh, next question here, You've, and you kind of walked into the Jaguars-Bills part of this conversation. Nick Correa wants to know, what is your guys' opinion of the NFL attempting to expand into London? It looks like we're... We're trying to put the Jaguars in London. It kind of feels like, right? <laughs> it, like for a while are. it was like the Jags like are going to play in London once in a while, and then this year it's like why don't you stay there for about three weeks and we'll just keep Dude, bringing you opponents. It'll be great. For a while it was floated that they wanted to do eight home games in Jet in London and eight like away games over here. So they wanted to keep them over there, and it was floated around for a long time. I do not like that idea at all. You put people on a completely different continent, it's going to be so different. They're, they're, could you imagine having to play over there all the time and then having to raise kids over there but then come over here for eight weeks? And Where are you going to train in the offseason? Are you going to train over here? Are you going to train over there? Like it, it would just be so complicated to do. And at the same time, when you go over there, you have to pay different taxes, and then you're paying taxes on top of that. So it's like, wait a minute. Did I just get double taxed? And they're like, well, yeah, because technically because you played in the U.K., the U.S. wants to tax you, but you have to pay this 10% U.K. tax as well. You pledge to the monarchy now. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, I got to pay the who now? And they're like, yeah, you're paying everybody. You're like, wait a minute. No, I'm not doing this. Remember that chick? Again. Remember that chick you watched on Suits growing up? Yeah. You're paying yeah. to her now. Megan yeah, Markle. Sure. Megan Markle now owns you. Hey, when you look at that bill, because they, they send you a draft of like what your taxes are going to look like for that week. You're reading through it. You're like, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm getting double taxed? They're like, well, because technically you're not playing in the U.S. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't pay any tax then, right? And they're like, yeah. well, no, the U.S. is going to tax you and the U.K. is taxing you. And you're like, time out. Who wanted to play this game over here? I am... Well, that, I mean, just in like the time zone difference, and oh, I mean, play, you want to talk about player safety, sending them overseas and trying to figure that out and getting yourself, regardless if you're like, oh, you can beat jet lag in a few days. Like, yeah, for a normal person that wants to go around and take a peek at the monuments and eat tea and crumpets and fish and chips, but like, you're trying to get ready to go to war and battle against another team, it's just not safe. It's, it, in my opinion, it's just not safe to do for players. It's not good for recovery to play a full football game. Be like, all right, boys, get on the plane for the next eight and a half hours. Like, it's just not a good idea. I don't, I don't half. like them. I don't Dude, like them at all. When we were in Frisco, it was like a fourteen-hour flight. Well, f- from Frisco, yeah, yeah. I mean, I only well, ever went over there from Minnesota. I never, I never went over there from anywhere else besides Minnesota. I think that was eight and a half. Dude, Dude I mean, think, think about the like you said, logistics of. You'd, you'd almost have to just create like a separate division or something to have only one team would be logistically impossible. Even having a division also, of like four teams. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I it saw doesn't. some of them like, yeah, we're trying to expand to like Australia. And it's like, what? <laughs> why? They can watch it on TV like the rest of us. Like you don't have to go to Australia. They already to... have their own league. It's yeah. called Australian football, yeah, right? No. They can. 
we're trying. I mean, I get it. The money drives everything. Everyone knows at the end of the day, the checkbook speaks, and everyone else can pound sand. So, like, it, we have no say. But from, I think the PA needs to take a stand on it and say this can't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder. Would there? I'm trying to think of. If you went more like north-south, but they've already kind of tapped all the big, like Toronto and Buffalo are kind of a market, right? Vancouver and Seattle are kind of a market. If you go further south, like it'd make more sense to put a team in Mexico City than it would in London for but travel purposes. do you purposes. think there's enough teams? Like, I think it's perfectly situated right now. If anything, I mean... Unless you're a billionaire looking to make more money, I, I in which case agree, but, you need more but, teams and more... Eventually you need an NFL team in exclusive. Mexico City is a terrible idea. Terrible. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good idea. idea. I'm just thinking for time zone purposes and travel, it would be. No, there's probably other things that would be a problem in Mexico no. City. Like, you can't drink the water, for instance. I yeah. learned that the hard way one time in spring break. <laughs> Boy, uh, be careful with that water. Do not. Yeah. You just have to take a shot of tequila every morning. It kills everything. At least that's yeah. what I tell myself whenever I go down there for vacation. <laughs> Start the day off with the Don Julio shot, boys. Nothing can kill you. <laughs> Eradicate everything. Uh, one more dumb football question here for this show. From Gregory Jackson in the YouTube comment section, why are there some offensive linemen that are good at playing most of the different line positions and others that can only really be good at one position? Like, why can one guy only play right guard while you have others that can play tackle guard on either side of the of the football? Boone, you're a guy that played just kind of a single. You start and then and then I'll yeah, jump why, in. As yeah, a why weren't you able to... guy, as a position flex guy, I'll I'll, I'll talk about my experience. Boone, why weren't you good enough to play anything but guard? Right? No, I, I, maybe our opinions differ, but I think some guys come in the league as true positions, right? Like they get drafted as a left tackle. You are a left tackle forever. Like you're not asked to do anything else. But then there's guys that are drafted as like, you're going to be the swing tackle. So you need to learn both spots. And so then they learn both spots. They get it. But then as their career goes on, they start to go, hey, do you want to learn a little bit of guard? And all of a sudden, these guys start to play guard, and then they start moving around in scout teams. Unless you're really drafted to be a guy somewhere or you're put in a spot where you are the starter, because once you're the starter, they don't ask you to do any other position. Like Every now and then, I, as a guard, I would go in and play center as like the third string. So like a guy, say like week eight, they were like, hey, our center goes down, the backup center goes down, who are we going to put in? Boom, you go to center. Like, the only time I ever played center. And I had naturally played tackle in my career so I could do it. But that was the only reason I could play both tackles was because I had already done it in my career. But had I just gone in as a guard, I wouldn't have known how to play tackle because that was never really, you know. And it's one of those things where if you are the starter, they're like, he has enough on his plate. Why would we want him to start learning other things? That's a lot. Now, you'll learn the position as you play your spot. You'll learn what the tackle does. But to learn how to play it is a completely different thing. Like, you have to take a ton of reps to understand the difference between a tackle and a guard and to master both what they are. Yeah, and it also goes back to the fact of, you know, I tell guys all the time as I recruit them, like, unless you're like Boone says, unless you're the guy, the only way you stay on a roster is by being able to play multiple positions. Mm -hmm. Like, they only dress eight a day, eight game day, right? So you have your starters, and you got to have a swing tackle, swing guard, and a backup center. Right, and if you can't be a swing guy, you cannot dress. You cannot be active on game day. Yeah. Right, and so you have to be able to cross train yourself to do that, and that makes you more valuable. But I tell guys, the longer, the more you can do, the longer you can stay, but the less you get paid. Like that's just a, that's just a nature of what the NFL is. That's but true. if you want to just stay in the NFL, you have to be able to do multiple. And sometimes people think it's easy to flip sides. 
it's really oh. not. It's really hot. And anytime someone tells me, like, well, you could just play right and left, right? I go, next time you go to the bathroom and you take a shit, <laughs> wipe yourself with your other hand. And tell me how easy it is, right? Like, just tell me how easy it is to flip everything that your motor skills have been trained forever to do. Now, certain guys can do it and they can be better at it. Like, I made my career off of understanding what I was and what my role was. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to snap. I'm going to learn how to play both guards. I'm going to be able to play both tackles. And then the other thing is every scout and everyone believes that you can always move in on the offensive line. Right. If you play if you play tackle, you can play you can guard. Play you guard. play guard, you can play, you can center. play center. Right? <laughs> but it's never the other way around. You're never going to draft no. a guard. You're never going to draft a guard and be like, "Hey, you ever played tackle? You ever bumped out there?" Like it's just not a skill set that people are used to. You yeah. can always move in, you can't move out. True story. When I was, when I became the starter, that's what they told me basically. I was like, "Hey, listen. We love you, but your feet are slow." So go play guard for us. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, like, I had no idea what was going on. Like They were like, dude, you were a mauler. And it was interesting because when I was first the starter in Frisco, I was actually the swing tackle as well. So I had two backups. It was me. If the tackles went down, I got kicked over to one of the tackles, and my backup would come in. And then after that, we had another uh, guard who could come in and play guard if I was already moved to tackle, and he was also the center. So we only had seven guys dress. And wow. so it was one of those situations where it was like, hey, are you up to speed on everything? And I could yeah. do that because I played left tackle in Ohio State, and then I played guard in the NFL. So they were like, hey, this is one of those different situations. And by the way, you're 6'8", and you have, you're long. And that's another reason why you never see guards go to tackle. Yeah. They're just not physically equipped yeah, to do it. I mean, the, they, you didn't have to dress eight alignment until the new CBA. Yeah. The new CBA said, so like when I was in Minnesota, we dressed seven, right? And I was – Number six. I call myself Same the thing. sixth man. I was you the sixth man. Anyone that got hurt from left tackle over, I was going in. It just mattered if I was taking my glove off to snap the football or not. Right. And that's a position that, yeah, you don't get paid very much because you're not the guy, but every team needs that guy on the offensive line that can come in and not have a drop off. Right. And that's a big, important piece of what development for young offensive linemen is because you never know what you might be best at. Right. Tyler Smith's a great example. Played left tackle at Tulsa, got drafted in the first round. They bumped him into guard because they have Tyrone Smith in Dallas. And, you know, his ability to go in and play guard now, he didn't probably know he could play guard at any level until he did it. Right. right. So you, it's just part of growing and becoming a pro and becoming a player. But, I will say this. The last thing I'll tell you about this is the, the ego that goes into some of these guys later in their careers, too, plays a role into why they say they can't play other sides. right? Like Taylor Lewan, I think some team wanted to bring him in and be like, we need you to play right tackle. He goes, nah, I'm a left tackle. Mm. right? Because that's what his legacy was, and that's who he is, and he doesn't want to switch over. right? The Bengals, Jonah Jackson, they brought in Orlando Brown. Like, hey, you're going to play right tackle. He wasn't happy about it. He didn't want to do it, but he's going out there and doing it. But there is an ego that drives some of these guys later in their career that's like, I am a left tackle or I am a right tackle. You're not going to put me out there in a position that made me, makes me look stupid when I've had a really good career. Yeah, but if you but you could also make $10 million over the next two or three years by playing right tackle as opposed to but not getting signed, right? Jay's right. They don't want to tarnish their legacy. I mean, you've been a left tackle your entire life. There's something to be said probably more in our world than anything. Like mm -hmm. They were like, yo, that dude only played left tackle. Like He was just a mm -hmm. badass. It's like the Joe State or the Jason Peters, those guys only played left tackle. Like that's what they did, and yeah. that's why they were so great. And I mean, imagine like, two years Trent Williams. Someone tries to take Trent Williams. Trent, like, we're hey, gonna go play right. He we're played. gonna play it right, which is known as the second best position on the offensive line. Hmm. No, no, no. I am a left tackle. Right. right. Like there, there is an ego factor that goes into that with some guys. Interesting. On the defensive side, I mean, there's like once you age out at cornerback, maybe you play safety. And there's been some guys, Charles Woodson. 
other guys that, but they're probably, I, I guess I had never thought about the ego factor of, well, I've already made enough money and I, I value my legacy more than I value like two more paychecks for, you know, but a I think fraction some of, the guys of my have net worth. Or, I think there's a class of guys that you wouldn't, you would not even ask to move to the right side. Cause they would be like, uh, that just be disrespectful. <laughs> like, yeah. like, hey, we're going to ask him to go to the right. Da, da, don't do that. Don't don't piss him off. And there's a lot of guys that have played right their whole career that they sign big contracts elsewhere and they try and move them to left, and it doesn't work great. I mean, Tristan Wirfs is doing it this year, but he's taking some growing pains with it, right? There's there's growing pains because left tackle and right tackle are drastically different in the type yeah, of werewolves right. that you face every single week. Yeah. So there's your dumb football questions here on the O-Line Committee podcast. Keep sending us. We love – stockpiling these things and i at first i was like yeah if we keep doing three four five of these a week are we gonna run out no never there's just never a bazillion left that we haven't even gotten to so keep sending them and again click that subscribe button and the like button on the o-line committee youtube channel a five-star rating and a positive review on apple podcasts and spotify and go tell a football loving friend about this new offensive line lifestyle podcast the o-line committee see you guys This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.